Welcome everyone to Kingdom Rock Radio. We pray that you will enjoy today's message. Now here's a sample of what you'll be hearing today. If you don't eat the Word of God, if you don't drink from His fountain, uh, if you don't focus on what the blood has done for you and, and be filled continually with the knowledge of Christ, if you don't get in the atmosphere and breathe in that heavenly atmosphere, you're going to be weak, you're going to be sickly. And you're going to find that when temptation comes, you have no power to resist whatsoever. No strength. Kingdom Rock Radio is an outreach ministry of Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center located right here in Bremen, Georgia. You can connect with us at our website at www.kingdomrock.org. And now, here is today's message. Kingdom Rock, let's greet our online community. <laughs> Welcome. Welcome. Uh, wherever you are from all around the world, we thank you so much for being a part of today's service. We know that the Lord has a rich and relevant word that will change and inspire you, that will help you to grow in your walk with Christ. Thank you for joining us. And don't forget, you can go to our website at kingdomrock.org, kingdomrock.org. There you can find more inspiring messages, more encouragement, more teachings that will uh, change your life. Thank you for being a part. All right, today, everybody, we're going to continue. We've been talking about focus for a while, and today the Lord gives me the title of the Adam effect, the Adam effect, uh, the perfect substitute, the perfect substitute, the Adam effect, the perfect substitute. Our journey goes, we're going to start here in uh, 1 Corinthians 15, and we're going to go all the way down. At the end of this, what I want you to know is that God is preparing you to reign and to rule. God is preparing you to reign and to rule. You're being prepared at this moment. The Lord Jesus is coming back soon for his church. I can't put a number on it. If it's another five years or 10 years, I can't do that. But I do know that he wants us to lean into our purpose lean into our purpose there's a work there's an assignment for you to do he says lean in it this is not a time to draw back or to draw away but to lean into your assignment lean into the thing that god called you here to do first corinthians 15 verse 22 says this uh, the new living translation just as everyone dies because we all belong to adam Everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. Talking about the Adam effect. Remember, we talked about this a little bit before, that the Adam is the first of his kind. And everything or everyone that comes from the Adam will have his characteristics. Because of Adam, everyone dies. But because of Christ, everyone will be given new life. Let's go further down in 1 Corinthians 15. Let's go to verse 45 as we continue to compare the two. This verse 45, 1 Corinthians 15 verse 45 says, the scripture tells us the first man, Adam, became a living person, but the last Adam, that is Christ, is a life-giving spirit. Christ gives life or restores life. 
And remember, in order for you to receive the benefits of either Adam, you have to be born into it. In order for you to receive what the first Adam gave, you have to be born into the human race. In order for you to receive what the last Adam gave, you have to be born into this heavenly race. In every part, you must be born again, right? You must be born, born or reborn. Look at verse 46. What comes first is the natural body, then the spiritual body comes later. Adam, the first man, was made from the dust of the earth, while Christ, the second man, came from heaven. Earthly people are like the earthly man, and heavenly people are like the heavenly man. Just as we are now like the earthly man, we will someday be like the heavenly man. If we have the heavenly man's DNA in us. Are you hearing? Let's go to Romans 5, and we're going to continue to talk about the differences between the two. Because God is causing you, he's making you to rule and to triumph, to be a victor. You're called to be victorious in every area of your life. You're called to be victorious in every area of your life, to triumph in every single area. Guess what would happen? We talked about the two atoms. If you stop eating and stop drinking and stop breathing the atmosphere, what's going to happen to your physical body? Right. You're going to get weak. You're going to get sickly. You're going to die. If you don't feed this body, you're going to be susceptible to diseases, and all kind of things will happen to you. By the same token, if you don't feed the new you, the new life that you have, your new spirit man, if you don't eat the word of God, if you don't drink from his fountain, uh, if you don't focus on what the blood has done for you and and be filled continually with the knowledge of Christ, if you don't get in the atmosphere and breathe in that heavenly atmosphere, you're going to be weak, you're going to be sickly. And you're going to find that when temptation comes, you have no power to resist whatsoever. No strength. So think about those two, from the two atoms. Now, you, can, you cannot ignore what the first Adam gave you, or we wouldn't be able to see you right now. And you cannot ignore what the second Adam, the last Adam, gave you. If you ignore either, you're not going to do very well. you got to feed yourself. You're going to eat physical food, and you're going to eat spiritual food. If you don't feed yourself, you'll be weak, sickly, and you'll die. Got me? Romans Romans 5, verse 17 says this. For the sin of this one man, Adam, calls death to rule over many. Adam's sin calls death to rule. Say rule. Adam's sin calls death to rule over many. 
But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Because of what the first Adam did, death rules. Because of the abundance of grace, King James says, and the gift of righteousness, when we receive this, we will reign in life or we will triumph over sin and death. The first Adam calls us, calls death to rule over us, to reign over us. But when Jesus came, he reversed it. He calls us now to rule over sin, to rule over death. Now, this was prophesied. God prophesied this to Cain. Turn down just a little bit and give a little feedback. God prophesied this to Cain in Genesis, the fourth chapter. Look at this, Genesis 4, Genesis 4, verse 7. I want you to see what God told Cain here. He says, you will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. Help me read this next part. But you must subdue it and be its master. In other words, you must rule over it. Now, Cain did not have the power or the ability uh, to do that without repenting. Your repentance is the key for you ruling over sin, ruling over death. Your repentance. If Cain had repented, then that spirit of murder would not have come in and he would not have killed his brother. Repentance, repentance leads us into rulership. Repent of our sins. We come to the Lord Jesus and receive what he has done for us. This opens a door for us to receive an endless supply of heavenly things. Are you, are you with me today? So again, verse 17, Romans 5, verse 17 says that uh, is as for the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule. Now, if we haven't repented, if we have not received Jesus, death is still ruling. You got that, right? Said, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. You're meant to live triumphantly over sin. Sin is not to mean is not to be ruling over you. You're meant to live in triumph over sin, being its master. Are you hearing? Let's look at verse 18. It says, yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. Now, condemnation, of course, is a legal term. That is, it's a sentence of judgment. Because of what Adam did, every human being is under the sentence of judgment. Because it's in the bloodline. You got me? Because of what Adam did, Every human being is on a road trip to hell and don't even know it. it. Going into the lake of fire and doesn't even know it. Are you hearing me? But here's a big butt coming right after this. Oh, I love the big butt. 
But Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Which means that God never intended for any of us to go to hell or to go into the lake of fire. He never intended for any human being to do it. Because of Adam's sin, condemnation, the sentence of judgment came upon everyone. And it is upon all mankind. Unless they have received the substitute, unless they have received Christ Jesus, that penalty, that judgment still remains. Jesus is the only way, and I'll show you how. So the Bible says that through Christ's one act of righteousness. Now, when we understand his one act of righteousness, when you understand the mechanics of this, the legality of it, understanding the legality of it, the understanding what he did will help us to rule over sin, help us to rule over death. Now, you understand that sin and death were the things that were keeping you from God. So when we rule over it, then that means that heavenly resources come to us. That means that we then have an all-access pass to everything that God has. Once sin is removed, death is removed, there is nothing that God won't give you. There's nothing that you won't have access to. There's nothing that he restrains from you. Are you hearing So let's understand Christ's one act of righteousness. We understand Adam's one act of disobedience. We understand what happened there. How he he and his wife ate of the forbidden fruit. We understand that. We saw that, right? But let's focus now on Christ's one act of obedience, on his act of righteousness. One of the very first places to look in is Isaiah 53. Let's go to Isaiah 53, verse number 6. Meditate on this. The more you understand this, the more you, that is, you're, more you feeding yourself. You're feeding on the flesh of Jesus. You're, you're feeding yourself. And your spirit man is getting stronger, more capable, more resilient. Acts, rather, uh, Isaiah this, uh, 53, 53rd chapter, verse number 6 says, out of the Amplified Bible, let's start here with in Amplified. It says, All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned each one to his own way. But the Lord has caused the wickedness of us all, our sin, our injustice, our wrongdoings, to fall on him instead of us. Now remember, all mankind was under a sentence, is under a sentence of judgment. Judgment or condemnation is a legal term. They are legally bound to hell, legally bound to the lake of fire, legally. Heaven is a very litigious place. I love that word. You'll find a lot of legal terms in the Bible. Things must be done legally. When they're done legally, that means they can be enforced. You can't, when you have a, if you're in some a good contract with someone, no matter what they want to fulfill their other end of it or not, if you're in a contract, they must fulfill their side of the contract or there can be repercussions. That's it, that's it. 
Maybe you're going to sue them or there may be jail time or something like that. Or something may be taken away. Heaven is very legal. So when the Lord uses terms like condemnation and judgment and acquittal and justification, all these and righteousness, all these are legal terms. So the Bible says again that uh, in the lower part of verse number six, it says, our sins fell on Jesus instead of us. Which means that when Jesus went to the cross, when he died the death for us, the perfect death for us, he not only did it for you, he actually did it as you. It was your name that he was standing in for. All of our wrongdoings fell on him instead of us. That's how, that's how far the Father is willing to love you. Let's look further down in Isaiah 53. Let's look at verse number 10. Say substitutes. Substitute. You see, there will be a day of judgment. There's no doubt about that. But the question is, will you stand before God or will the blood of Jesus stand for you? Sin has been judged. But the question is, are you going to stand for your own? See, that's the that's part of those that are atheists, or that's the part of those that, that say, well, I don't really want Jesus, even though they have heard the gospel. They've heard it, but they say, I don't really understand it. What they're saying is that I'm going to make my own way. I'll make my own righteousness. I'm sure God will understand. They're actually, on that day, they were standing their own works. They were standing before God. But we those that know Christ won't be shaking in our boots because Jesus has already taken our place. All of our wrongdoing was placed on him. Somebody had to die the death. All sin must be punished. So it's either you allow the lamb to be punished and take your place or you get punished yourself. Let's look at this again. Isaiah 53, keep that in mind. Verse number 10, it says, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Talking about Jesus. It, God, it pleased God the Father to bruise or crush Jesus. The Father was pleased with that. It says, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He had put him to grief. The word grief there means to become weak, sick, or to become diseased. Upon the cross, he bore all of your sicknesses, all of your diseases. It pleased the Father to allow Jesus to be crushed, to be broken, to be made weak, to be made sick, to be made diseased for you. Are you still reading with me? It says... Let me start again. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He had put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see, the, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hands. He says, it pleased the Lord to crush Jesus. It pleased the Father to crush Jesus. It 
It pleased him to put Jesus to grief or to make him weak. It pleased him so that he would become our offering of sin. In other words, so that he could take our place. He did that so that he could take our place. And when he took our place, the Bible says he shall see his seed. In other words, he shall see the generations that would come from what Jesus has done. We're his seed. So it pleased the Father. He knew that this had to happen to Jesus in order for you and I to come into righteous favor with him. Look at verse number 11. It says, he shall see the travail or the, or the labor or the anguish of his soul. Notice that the Bible continues to say soul, 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 and not body. Because when Jesus died upon the cross, that wasn't the end. That was simply the end of the first death. There is a second death. In order for Jesus to, to, have the, to be the perfect sacrifice for even the most vile sinner, he had to endure both deaths, the first death and the second death. The Bible says that it is accounted unto man to die once. After that, the judgment. So Jesus died upon the cross a physical death, and then he also died a spiritual death. His soul was made an offering. Are you hearing? Let's look at verse 11 again. He shall see, or rather, yeah, he shall see of the travail or the anguish of his soul and be satisfied. In other words, the total wrath of God fell upon Jesus. And the father looked at that and said, okay, that pleased me. I'm not mad at them anymore. I'm not mad at Lyndon anymore. I'm not mad at Shekinah. I'm not mad at Mary anymore. All those who believe and put their trust in Jesus, who receive Jesus as their substitute, the wrath of God fell on him. It pleased the father that Jesus was crushed that he was made weak, that he was diseased, that, that his soul was in travail, in agony, in agony. Not just a physical agony because the Lord felt all the physical pains of the cross. He felt them all, but his soul was in torment. He was tormented so that you wouldn't have to be tormented. He paid the price for you or not. And I'm going to show you a little bit more. The word shows us a little bit more about the agony of his soul. Let's look at this. The Bible says that God was satisfied with it. In other words, nothing more is required. No more sacrifices are required. Up until this point, the blood of bulls and goats and all that stuff, it could, it could never take away sin. God was never satisfied with this. But when his son died upon that cross, when his son died the perfect death, it satisfied, it appeased the wrath of God. Anytime you hear the devil say to you, God's mad at you, say, get thee behind me, Satan. God was satisfied with what happened to Jesus. And if you are in Christ, there is no anger towards you. There's only a perfect love towards you. Are you hearing? 
he says again, uh, God was uh, satisfied. He said, by his knowledge, in other words, by the knowledge of what Jesus has done, by what he's, he's experienced or accomplished, shall, his, shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Because of what Jesus did, he justified many. Didn't say all, it says many. Because not all will receive him. But those that do receive him, God said you're justified, meaning you're reckoned righteous. So before there was condemnation over our lives, all going to hell, there's nothing you can do about it. But the Father did not want us to go there, so he sent his Son to die the perfect death for us. All who believe and trust in him, all who believe and trust in Jesus, the Lord will reckon you as righteous or justify you through what Jesus has done. The Bible says the very last part of this, for he shall bear their iniquities. That also means that he shall bear the responsibility for their sins. He will bear the responsibility. All right, let's give another example. Let's say you're in some type of classroom situation and uh, the teacher's up doing her teaching thing and the person beside you decides to throw some sort of paper, a ball of paper at the teacher's head. That's bad, Ralph. The teacher turns around and says, who did that? Now, you know old Johnny here has, he's a bad little kid. He's been doing a lot of stuff bad. He knows he has just one strike left and he could just, just couldn't help himself. The teacher says, I need somebody up here now. You know, you're going to pay, pay for this. Johnny, you see my tears in his eyes. He's, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? You shouldn't have thrown it, Johnny, what you shouldn't have done. But as Johnny's about to stand up, you put your hand on his desk. Tell him to sit back down, and you get up, and you walk up there. And you take the punishment for Johnny. Now, in recess time, Johnny's out playing on the playground. But you're in the principal's office paying the price for Johnny. You not only paid the price for Johnny, but in actuality, you paid the price as Johnny. Johnny's out there playing, playing kickball, running around the playground. He is free. He is free to still enjoy all the perks of the, of the playground. While Johnny's substitute is paying the price. That's what Jesus did for you. Look at this. It says, he shall bear their iniquity. Their iniquity. In other words, he shall take the responsibility for their sins. He shall take full responsibility for their sins. Jesus took full responsibility. Meditate on that. He took full responsibility for what you did. I'll pay for it all. The perfect sacrifice. Look at verse number 12. Therefore will I divide him a portion. Here are the rewards that the Lord is going to receive or has received. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Who's the strong? You are. 
the power that Jesus received, the authority that he received, the honor that he receives, he also gives it to you. He divides it with you, the plunder. He divides it with you. So not only does the Lord say, I'll, I'll die the death, I'll die the perfect death, I'll sacrifice myself for you so that you can be in right favor with God. When, when the Lord, when the Father raised him from the dead, the Bible says, and we'll see this, he led captivity captives and gave gifts unto men. He divides the spoil with you. He lavishes you with his love. He gives you power. He gives you authority. He gives you strength. He gives you his name. He gives you his blood. He gives you his spirit. He lavishes you. Not only are you completely innocent, but he's also poured favor upon favor upon favor upon your life. Are you hearing? He said, he shall divide the spoil with the strong because he hath poured out his soul unto death. Because Jesus poured out his soul unto death. Notice that he keeps saying soul, soul, soul. He kept, it says soul, soul. He has poured out his soul unto death and he was numbered with the transgressors and he bare the sins of many. Do you see that again? Yes. Off of you on him off of you on him he bear bear the sins bear the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors he bear the sins of many he bear the responsibility of your sins he bore it now the bible says again that he that jesus poured out his soul unto death so it's not just a physical death but it's a spiritual death. Both had to be accomplished for Jesus to be the perfect sacrifice. Had to be accomplished. Now, think about this. As Jesus hung upon the cross, he fell out of favor with God because our sin fell on him. As Jesus hung upon the cross, he fell out of favor with God because our sin fell on him. For that moment, for that moment, he hung between two worlds, suspended in the air, rejected by man below, and rejected by God above. At that moment, in a perfectly hopeless state. This is the second death. Where there is no hope. Out of favor with God. Out of favor with man. Let's look at this in Matthew 27. Matthew 27. Look at this in verse, starts at verse 25. Now from the sixth hour, there was death over all the land unto the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, laba sabbatini. Yes, that is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Yes. 
at that moment, he gave cadence to what was happening. Out of favor with God. Because our sins were upon him. He bore the responsibility of our sins. He said, I'll take it. All the sins of your lifetime. Now remember, you weren't born when Jesus was crucified. The Bible says that he saw his seed. God saw his seed. He saw you and I. He saw the generations. He saw your life from beginning to end. Way back there upon the, when Jesus was upon the cross, he saw the generations. And at that moment, Jesus took, if you can imagine, just a swirl of, of blackness, a swirl coming into Jesus. All of it coming into him. All of your sin, my sin, coming into him. He bore all of our sins upon himself as he hung on the cross. And now out of favor with God, now out of favor with man, rejected by man, rejected by God, because of our sins, taking it into himself. Look at 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. We're going to see this out of the Amplified Bible. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21, out of the Amplified. I want you to see how this reads. Remember I told you that heaven is a very litigious place, very, very legal. Verse 21 says, He made Christ who knew no sin to judicially be sin on our behalf that is legally judicially legally jesus took your place legally he took your place the devil can't say one word this was a legal transaction he legally bore your sins and your shame and your guilt he legally bore it all the bible says he made Christ, God made Christ who knew no sin to judicially be sin on our behalf so that in him we could become the righteousness of God. That is, we would be made acceptable to him and placed in a right relationship with him by his gracious loving kindness. Legally. Jesus took your place. Not because the Father had good goosebumps about you, good feelings about you. No, this was a legal transaction that cannot be rescinded. Jesus hung upon the cross, and, in, and again in Matthew 27, let's look at verse 50. Matthew 27, verse 50. The Bible says, Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. Yes, what happened after that point? Think about it. Every sacrifice, every sin sacrifice in the Old Testament, sacrifice for sin in the Old Testament, what had to happen? 
after the, after the sacrifice was examined, the lamb was examined, then that lamb had to be taken over to the altar to be burned. It was killed, it was slaughtered, then its body burned. Every sin sacrifice ended in fire and in ashes. In order for Jesus to pay the perfect price, to die the perfect death, to be the perfect sacrifice, he must have also ended in fire. But he is the only sacrifice that rose from the dead. In the Old Testament, as the priest would take the sin offering, they would put it upon the fire, and the fire was burned. The Israelite would then go home free, understanding that his sins were paid for in the body of the lamb, in the body of that sacrifice. And then the priest would collect, historians say, the priest would collect the ashes from that burnt offering, from the sacrifice. And he would keep, keep those ashes as a reminder of the sins that have been paid for. And many times they say that, again, they would, when the Israelite would come throughout the year uh, to the temple for some type of forgiveness or cleansing, that they would bring out the ashes to remind them that their sins have been paid for. The Lord gives us beauty. He gives you beauty. For the ashes. The ashes of what? The ashes of the sins that have been burned up. He gives you beauty. He beautifies your life. Once we were downtrodden and filled with sin and on our way to hell, once we were uh, just accounted as scum and not deserving of, the, of God's grace and in, in, in darkness filled our lives, but God took that and he put that upon the body of Jesus. He put that upon the Lord and he, Jesus carried our sins into the lake of fire, into hell, past hell, into the lake of fire, and he burned up our sins. Our sins became ashes. Look at Psalm 16, verse number 10. Psalm 16, verse 10 says this, For thou wilt not leave, this is a prophecy concerning Jesus, for thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. After the cross, Jesus had to pay for the second death. He had to go where the most vile of sinners would go. He had to pay the full price for sin. The full price Let's go to Ephesians. Ephesians 4 tells you more about this. Ephesians 4, verses 8, 8 through 10. We'll read this out of the Amplified Bible Classic edition. And it says this, again, Ephesians 4. Therefore, it is said, when he ascended on high, talking about Jesus, he led captivity captive when he got up from the grave. That is, he laid a train of vanquished foes and he bestowed gifts on men. Those gifts he's talking about, of course, are the plunder, are the rewards. When he got up, verse 9 says, but he ascended, uh, but he ascended. N um, now what can this he ascended mean, but that he had previously descended from the heights of heaven into the depths of the lower parts of the earth. 
he who descended is the very same is the very same as he who also ascended high above all heavens that he might uh, his presence f uh, might fill all things, the whole universe, from the lowest to the highest. Jesus filled all things. Now let me show you one more scripture, then we're going to close out. I want to show you Revelation. Let's, let's look at the second death, Revelation 20. Somebody said, I don't believe in a God that will send people to hell. I don't believe in that. I don't believe if God is all love, why would he send people to hell? Well, he wouldn't. If you know the scripture, the Lord has paid a heavy price so that you wouldn't have to go there. But he's not going to make you receive the substitute. He's not going to make you receive Jesus. So people will go there because they want to go. They live their lives rejecting God. And then when they come out of their bodies and stand before him, they're still not going to want to change their mind. And, oh, now I'm going to receive, I've lived my entire life rejecting you, and now, hey, I see you now receiving. No, it's not going to work that way. You are who you are. Once you come out of this body, you are who you are. You are who you are. Your body shields us from knowing the true you. You can hide it in your body. But once you come out of your body, it can no longer be hidden. You are who you are. So if they live the life saying, I hate God, I distrust God, I don't want God, I don't want this Jesus. They live life in blasphemy against the Son of God. They're not going to change their mind once they see him. I believe the Lord would even say, hey, come on in the house. You don't have to go down to hell. Come on in. But because they are who they are, they still will reject him. Heaven is a prepared place for prepared people. You mean to tell me you're going to live, you live all your life walking in darkness and you're going to be comfortable living in a place that's absolute light? Live our lives in absolute hate, hating people and this and that and the other to come into a place that's full of love? I believe to that person, heaven would be more painful than hell. The Father says, come. But you must be prepared to go there. You must be prepared to receive there. The Lord's not making people go to hell. They decide to go themselves. Look at Revelation, Revelation 20. Re Revelation 20. Jesus is God's way to prepare a soul to get there, to live there. You've seen those sci-fi shows where people, they have to be inoculated for this next atmosphere. They got to be prepared for it. If people go deep sea diving before they can, they've been underwater for quite some time, they got to stay in this barometric chamber for a while, get their bodies acclimated to come up to come out of that. You just can't go from one atmosphere to another without being prepared. Amen. This is a place of preparing. God's word is preparing you, preparing you to inhabit that place. Yes. But if we spend our lives in rejection of it, when you get to see it, you're going to run from it because you're not prepared for it. 
Revelation 20, and look at verse number 11 through 15, and it says, And I saw a great white throne in him that sat on it, from whose face the heaven, rather, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. Verse 14, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. You hear people say, you're going to burn in hell forever. You don't know your Bible, do you? Because that's actually not true. Hell is thrown into the lake of fire. Didn't we just read that? It's thrown into the lake of fire. The, fire, the lake of fire is like one big burning pit. One big burning pit. Because these things are all eternal, it won't burn out. Remember, our souls were designed after God. We are eternal spirits. You cannot die. You realize that, right? So you will live eternally the place of your choosing. You cannot die. So, either we decide, hey, I want Jesus to be my substitute. Hey, Lord, you, hey, you do it for me. I want to live my life in praise and honor, and I want to believe what you did for me. I receive what you did for me. Or you will stand before God. Every soul will give an account. And you will stand based on your own works. But none of your works is good enough to get you there. Once you see it and see the perfection of heaven and understand that one drop of sin is a stench. Oh, it's more horrible than a landfill than a thousand landfills. You want to take that, your spotted garment, come into a place where everybody's so, ah, clothes are bright and brilliant, but you have all these stains on your garment, all these wrinkles in your garment. You're going to feel so incredibly out of place in that atmosphere. You won't be able to dwell in that atmosphere. You have no choice. You have no choice to rather go there than to stay in glory with him. Does that make sense to you? The high price that the Father is doing to prepare you to live in that atmosphere. He's preparing you to live there. And he's preparing you also to reign here. So Jesus had to die the death. He had to endure the second death. He actually had to go into the lake of fire himself, carrying your sins within himself, burning them up into the lake of fire so that there is no record or remembrance of your sin before God. He paid the perfect ultimate price for you and I. So all those who believe in him, who trust in him, will triumph over sin, 
will triumph over death, triumph over it. And the Lord has given you access into heavenly favors more than you could ever think or imagine. So I pray that you receive that today. Father, I pray in Jesus' name, as your word was going forth over your people, Lord, I pray today that you spoke by your spirit and that your people have received what you have said. And Lord, I pray that we will walk in the knowledge of that and continue to feed on your word, continue to feed, to drink from your fountain, to understand what you've done for us so that we may be equipped to reign in life. Lord, I pray your blessings on all those that are here today and all those that are listening and watching from all around the world. I release this word today by faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we pray that you were blessed and encouraged by today's message. Don't forget, you can connect with us at our website at kingdomrock.org. It's there that you can hear today's message as well as the entire series. So check it out today. Until next time, remember that Jesus loves you and so do we. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way. We'll see you on the next time.